Well, if you're new with us, we want to uh, welcome you and say thank you for coming to church today. We're so glad you're here. And also to explain this series in, we're in right now is probably the perfect time for you to first be checking out Crossroads because what we're looking at is as a church, what is our mission? Uh, generally as the church, the great commission, the great commandment, but also specifically here at Crossroads, what do we believe God has called us to do in the community we're in with how he's equipped us? And so last week, we begin by looking at our mission statement that Crossroads exists to make much of Jesus, that we do this by following in the way of Jesus and making disciples who love God and love others. And we took time to look at the foundation that we're a church that is always going to be Jesus-centered, biblically rooted, and spirit-led. And that everything we do is always going to be from that foundation. But then there's these five core values we hold as a church. And last week, we had time to go through one of them. Last week, we spent time looking at the fact that as a church, we are family. That this is more than just a group of people that gather on Sunday. That we're more than just part of a club. That we are meant to be family that are known and know each other that we're also understanding as a family, we all do our part, which means each and every one of us has a responsibility to say, Lord, how have you gifted me? And what are you calling me to do that I can help give and be a part of this family and do my part? And the unity we're meant to have as a family, a community, a place where we belong and not just a program we attend. If you want to hear about that and you missed last week, you can grab a CD in the office. You can go on YouTube and watch it last week. You could go on Spotify or wherever you listen to a podcast and, and listen to it last week. But I'd encourage you, this is a great introduction to who we are if you don't know already. And for those who call this place home, it's a great exhortation to be reminded of who we want to be and how these things can help form our life. And so this morning, we're going to be moving on to the, the second and third core value that we hold as a church. Uh, the second one we had briefly mentioned last week, but that we want to start with this morning is this, that we are everyday disciples. That as a church here, Crossroads, we place a high value on being everyday disciples, that our relationship with God shapes every single part of our lives and not just Sunday mornings. That our walk, our race of faith is, is more than just a few hours Sunday morning, maybe a small portion in the morning when we read our Bible or we say a prayer, but that it would shape and form every part of every day of our lives. We believe there's no separation between the mundane and the spiritual. As 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is what it means to be an everyday, every moment disciple. That God is just as present in your moments at work and school, your moment at the grocery store or in traffic, times on vacation or times on a Sunday morning, he's no less present in those moments, and you're no less a disciple in those moments that is called to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples. And that's a high value that we hold as a church, that there's no days off as a disciple of Jesus. We desire to be a church that 
doesn't believe you graduate from the Great Commission or retire from it. We don't take lunch breaks from loving each other or pursuing the Lord and magnifying the name of Jesus. And we're unwilling to become what we could call a Christian chameleon that's going to change and continue to morph and move and shift with the environment and the culture around it to best fit in. Now, as disciples of Jesus, we are learners. We are students who continue to press into him and desire to continue to learn and grow each and every day. We're in a process that Scripture uses a big theological word called sanctification to describe that each and every day we're being sanctified, set apart, molded more into the image of Jesus and less into the image of this world, into our own image. And it's our hope that every man and woman that calls this place home would be the same person Monday morning that they are Sunday morning. That if you meet someone on Sunday, you're not shocked to see what kind of life they live on Monday or Tuesday. That it would be consistent with the pattern you've seen and known at your Bible studies and your prayer groups, at the men's and women's ministries and in a home group. And when we talk about this idea of being everyday disciples, uh, there's, there's three specific descriptions I want to mention as we look at this. Three things that immediately came up to my mind. And the first is that we would be people who are consistent. Psalm 145 verse 2 says, Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. The desire for every person that's a part of the family here at Crossroads is that our walk would be one of consistency, stability, dependence, that we're not people who are here one season, gone the next, but that we're a community of people that can be counted on, people that are faithful, people that are accountable and dependable. I love that we got to celebrate this morning 25 years that we've been a part of Operation Christmas Child because that speaks to a consistency over a quarter of a century. That speaks to a deliberate decision each and every year for Pam and Rose to say, all right, we're getting close to Operation Christmas Child. We're going to start ramping things up. We're going to make sure we're getting things lined up. That's not just one day that shoeboxes arrive and get sent out. There are a lot of days of preparation and getting those shoeboxes together, the organization that takes place. And I love that that's a space we can count on, that those are people we can count on that are going to carry that flag. That's not an easy task. For any of us to be an everyday disciple that's consistent is not an easy call. And there will be days or even seasons for some of us that will fail in this. And there's grace for that. And I hope that you don't place so much pressure on yourself that the moment you fail, you feel like you can't come back to church, that you don't still belong here, or that God doesn't still call you a son or a daughter. There's grace for that. 
But our unified goal as a church is that we'd be people of character who put our hand to the plow, who get back up even when we fall and we continue to move forward by faith and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Because what did he call us to, as we've seen in the Gospel of Luke that we'll get back to after this series? He said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself, you need to take up your cross daily, and you need to follow me. And that is a day-by-day consistent decision to say, every day I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. And some days I might wake up and the sun is shining on my face and my kids are just praying in the corner and everything's going perfectly. And there are other days I'm going to wake up to a kid screaming and there's going to be half of breakfast on my shirt and I have a headache and I'm going to rush out the door, but I'm going to continue to say, but I'm a disciple of Jesus today and I want to be on mission and I want to be faithful with what he has for me today. It requires focus, self-discipline, sacrifice. But church, that's how the authors of the Word of God that we read about describe their walk of faith. Paul didn't say, I skip and I frolic through the fields while I pursue the Lord. He said, daily I, I mortify the deeds of my flesh. He puts to death the deeds of his flesh. He said he beats his body into submission. It literally means to to give yourself a black eye. He's like, this is brutal. This is a fight. It is messy. It is difficult. It is painful. It is exhausting. But, But he's committed to follow Christ because he has the conviction like Peter that says, where else can I go? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. And so there's a consistency to that walk. It's something that we place a high value in as a church, but it's not something that's going to come easy, which is another aspect of being an everyday disciple is that not only do you want to be consistent, you need to be persistent. And persistence is different than just being consistent because you can be consistent to a point, and yet what happens when you face an obstacle, when things get painful? When you begin to fatigue and wear down and become discouraged, well, now it takes persistence to be willing to push through that pain, to overcome that obstacle, to endure as a good soldier when things get tough. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says that, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, it's important to know the context of this. He said this, having just brought to them the reality that Jesus has brought the ultimate victory. The victory over death and sin, it's been won. And so we don't do this from a place of trying to earn something from God. We've been saved by grace through faith. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and yet as people saved, sanctified, set apart, he says, walk in that victory by being people who are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That that's the right response, knowing the victory we have in Jesus. 
people that are persistent even when things get difficult because we know the reward that awaits us and we know the victory that is ours in Jesus. Like Paul, when he is stoned to the point, they think he's dead. He is beaten up, bloody, knocked out, and they leave him. And when he comes to, he gets up and he goes right back into that same city to continue to move forward with the Great Commission. That's a persistence in his faith. That's an everyday disciple, every moment disciple that says, I just got beat up for my faith. But I'm kind of checking, yeah, I can walk, I can move. All right, back to it, and just goes right back into the city and continues to move forward with the Great Commission. And that's not the only time in Paul's life we see that. There'll be times when he's bitten by a snake, and people think, oh, it's a poisonous snake, and they just sit back to watch what happens. And what do we see to him? He shakes it off in the fire. He continues to serve the Lord, continues to share the gospel. And he's doing this because he's on the island of Malta because he's been shipwrecked. The guy just continues to move forward. It could be shipwreck, it could be stoning, it could be a poisonous snake, and it doesn't matter. There's a persistence to his faith. He is relentless in his pursuit of Jesus and sharing the gospel with people. Because even to the end of his life, when he would be chained to a guard and put in prison, the ministry didn't stop. Paul saw that as an opportunity. I've got a guy chained to me that can't go anywhere, so you know what he's going to hear? The gospel. And he'd be able to write to churches messages of joy and hope, even from a prison cell, and be able to share with them the whole palace guard wants to greet you because they're hearing the gospel and they're coming to the Lord because if this is where God has me, then this is my mission field. That's who we want to be as a church. That in the, the space you're in, with the influence you have and the people around you in your workplaces and schools, in your homes and neighborhoods, that you would have that kind of everyday mindset that says it's a new day, it's a new opportunity. Lord, how do you want to use me today for the gospel? Proverbs 24, 16 says this, though the righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. There are going to be times you fail times you wake up and you just don't feel like going on mission and you just try and do your own thing. Times when you had the opportunity and you didn't say the thing you should have. Times you had an opportunity and said things you shouldn't have. Times you didn't go where you should have, where you went where you shouldn't have gone. We're all going to fail and make mistakes at times and yet the righteous man is not described here as the one who never falls, but the one who falls and gets back up. I hope that this church is always a place where we are pursuing the Lord together, but where we're not pretending like we have it all together. You will fail, and I will fail, and I hope this is a place that people feel comfortable to be able to admit when they've fallen and find encouragement and support from others so that they can get up and keep walking forward. Because unfortunately, I hear from people who far too often when they fail, 
they allow the enemy to convince them that that has disqualified them, that they don't belong here anymore, that they need to stay in isolation somewhere else until they figure it out and get it all together and then they can come back and nothing could be further from the truth. When you fail, when you make mistakes, man, you come running back immediately and you are welcome with open arms because you're in the presence of a bunch of other people that fail. And there's grace and there's forgiveness. And we get back up and we keep moving forward together. Because we'll never be perfect people this side of heaven. And we were never promised an easy life but we were called to be people that get back up, that persevere to the end. This is part of what it means to be an everyday disciple. And the third aspect, I've already been kind of hinting to it, but it's that not only would we be people who are consistent and persistent, but that we'd be people who are transparent. People who are vulnerable, people who are honest. And this plays into last week where we talked about we're a family, where you're known by people and they know you. Joshua 24, 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and Egypt. Serve the Lord. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. We want to be a church that places a high value and priority on being open, on being honest, on being transparent, on knowing that this is a place you are loved and you are welcomed, and it's okay not to be okay. It's all right when we greet and we welcome each other every morning after worship. You don't have to smile and say, everything's amazing, brother, and how are you doing, if it's not. That you, it's okay to say, man, it's been a rough week. Would you just pray for me real quick? Man, I'm just wrestling with some things. I'd love to talk with you about it. And you can do so, and you're not going to be escorted to the door. You're going to be welcomed in to continue You know the number one reason that, that we hear of people claiming they don't come to church? And I would argue if it's really the number one reason why they don't come, but we've all heard it, right? It's because of hypocrites. It's because of people who come in here and smile and say they love the Lord, and then they go out and do all sorts of ungodly stuff and don't talk about the Lord or live for Him. And they say, I see hypocrites there. I don't want to go to that place. And there's a simple argument to that. Because the reality is they still go to the gym, even though there's people out of shape there. And you still go to a mechanic even though there's a bunch of broken down cars in front of the shop because that's where they should be going. You should be encouraged that the people out of shape are at the gym trying to get in shape and that the broken down cars are at the shop because this is the place they get fixed and that the hypocrites go to church because that's where they learn to love without hypocrisy and to learn from their mistakes and to allow the Lord to mold them and shape them so they wouldn't be hypocrites the rest of their life. But you know, far too often, we're guilty of giving them that excuse. We're guilty of being the people who go out there and don't live like we know the Lord. Don't live like we love the Lord. Don't live like we're following the Lord or we're on the Great Commission. And then we tell them to come to church and they're going, really? 
You go to church? But we want to be people that are everyday disciples that are willing to be transparent and own our mistakes and admit, yeah, you're right. I blow it. And I mess up a lot. And if I can go to church, you should definitely be able to come to church. Because the message there is not perfection, it's grace, because Jesus was perfect for me. Now, that's not an excuse to keep on sinning. Jesus has called us to be holy as he is holy. We're supposed to follow in his footsteps and die to ourselves. But it is an ownership of our mistakes and a willingness to admit them and point people to the one their hope is in, and it's not us. It's in Jesus. We want to be a church where we're not good at wearing masks, where we're not good at pretending like everything's okay when it's not, but a church where we get more in a regular habit of being honest about where we're at and what's going on. Because here's the thing, I see communities out in the world that do this better than the church. Places where people can come and belong and be honest about all their struggles and frustrations. And people find deep community there because that's the only place they feel like, I can be honest and people will welcome me and accept me and love me. There's a reason a lot of people end up at the bar when they're going through difficult times in their life, isn't it? Because they can show up and they can have some drinks with a stranger next to them and they're not worried about what that guy thinks about them because he's right there next to them and I can just spill my guts out to this person and they're going to listen and they're going to be there tomorrow when I show up. Well, part of the reason is because you're paying them to be there. And no, our coffee bar is not going to change the drinks they're serving next week. But we want to be a space that people feel welcomed to be able to share what's really going on in their life. And that they're not met with a judgmental look, with a scoff, with a lecture, but with open arms. It says, man, give it to the Lord. Find redemption and forgiveness and grace in Jesus Don't try and go out there and do it on your own and then come back someday when you've figured it out. That's not how it works. We come to Jesus and we sit at his feet and he changes our mind. He changes our heart. He renews us from the inside out. Come be a part of the family with other people who will walk with you along that struggle, who have struggled in that same thing before. And let's pursue a common goal together of being a disciple each and every day that follows in the footsteps of Jesus. Because here's the reality. If you've read through the Bible, then you know Scripture is not lacking when it comes to sharing the failures of men and women of faith. We look at a king like David, a man after God's own heart that slays a giant, and we all remember that. But don't forget, this is also the same man who impregnated a married woman, had her husband put to death, and then just tried to cover it up until he was called out and exposed. We remember Noah and his great act of faith and building an ark, and, but don't forget that 
You don't read too many chapters past that, and you read that he's getting drunk and naked, and it's a whole mess. Peter, the bold preacher on Pentecost, the one who helps bring in the the church age, but he's also the one that tried to rebuke Jesus and got called Satan. He's the one that denied Jesus three times. He's the one that was found just heading back and fishing when Jesus was gone instead of out making disciples. You could read in Hebrews 11 about men and women of great faith. We call it the hall of faith. Did you realize there's a woman, Rahab, there whose life was that of a prostitute? And her great act of faith comes because spies are in and she hides them? Or Abraham, the father of faith. Oh, the man who was willing to sacrifice his son. But don't forget his other son who came from sleeping with his maidservant because he doubted the Lord was going to provide. Or the moment when he's so scared of the kings in Egypt that he tells his wife, hey, you're really pretty. She's like, thank you. No, wait, I got more. I want you to tell them you're my sister because I'm, I'm a little worried about what they'll do if you're my wife. And so just tell them you're my sister. Scripture doesn't avoid the mistakes, the difficult moments in people's lives where it was messy and they didn't do it all right. Things that you and I would go, could you just leave that little note out? Like, there's a bunch of other things I did, you know. One time I didn't, I didn't, didn't really mean what I said. One time I said something I shouldn't have. Just put that in there, but not this. Oh, don't put that story I'm sure Peter would have loved to have some of those stories spared. And yet we have them in here, and they remind us that this walk isn't perfect. But we continue to move forward by faith each and every day. And here's the beauty. When we do that, do you realize the ability that it has to use your life as a shining example, a light in a dark world of what it looks like to follow Jesus? Daniel 12.3 says that those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Philippians 2.14 and 15 says, do all things without grumbling and complaining that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Many versions translate that stars in the world. And I used to use an example every year around 4th of July with youth students when I was doing youth ministry that, that our desire was to be people who were stars and not fireworks. Because fireworks are beautiful and they are bright and they are big and they are bold and loud for about three seconds. And then they're gone, and it's dark again, and you don't see them again. But the stars, although they might not be as flashy and noticeable, are just faithfully shining each and every day above us consistently. To be an everyday disciple doesn't mean that you have this big flashy moment where everybody sees you and knows your name and heard what you did. It looks a lot more like each and every day just following Jesus and getting up and doing the right thing. And then when you fail and you make a mistake, you learn from it. You get back up and you continue to follow Jesus. You know, 
In the 10th century, the North Star was known as the Ship Star, mainly because it was their main form of navigation. It was the star that they could use to, to regain understanding of which direction they're going and recenter themselves on where they needed to head to. But what's interesting about the North Star is that it ranks only the 50th in brightness. It's not the brightest star in the sky. You've got 49 other stars brighter than the North Star. And it's not even in the top 10 for being the biggest star. Not the brightest, not the biggest. But what made it so useful was that it doesn't move. All these other stars that they could look at, oh, well, that one's brighter, that one's bigger. This was the star they could always see that was faithfully shining and didn't move. It wasn't going anywhere. Its usefulness comes from its ability to remain steady and true, to continue to shine in the midst of a dark sky for them to adjust their way with. And what we value is being people that others can look to for an example. No, not a perfect example. We're pointing them to Jesus for that but an example of someone day in and day out that's going to continue to follow that example. Paul said, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Look to my example of following after Jesus as I imitate Jesus. And the moments I fail, don't follow suit. Learn from my example. But that we'd be people who are consistent in our walk, persistent in our faith, transparent in our community, and begin to shine by our obedience to his word. And that that would prove to help encourage, support, and strengthen, even guide others as they're fumbling along the way and trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, that we'd be a shoulder they could lean on and a person they could look to when things get tough. We were talking about this yesterday for those men who are at men's breakfast and the discipline of friendship and there's a lot of people that you might call a friend that you could hang out with when it comes to, we're going to go play a game, we're going to go shoot something, we're going to go have a meal. But then who are those people you call on when things get tough, when you need help, when you're going through a storm? My hope is that we are people that can be counted on in the difficult times, not just in the good ones. Not just when you have something to celebrate or something to share with people, but in the moments you're going through the most difficult time in your life, that you don't hesitate to pick up that phone and have a list of people in this church you could call that you know would be there in a moment's notice. It's what it looks like to be an everyday disciple as a part of the church. But the third value we're going to look at today, I guess second today, third overall, is that we are intentional that we are people who value transformed lives over a busy schedule. That we don't walk about aimlessly, we walk about with purpose. And that our stuff, our time, our talents, they're gifts to be redeemed. They're not possessions to be wasted. And we're going to be intentional with the time we have. Scripture would say that you need to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're called to be good stewards of what we've been given by God. 
And he gives us a promise that those who are faithful over little will be given much. We place a high priority on being intentional people. We saw this demonstrated to us by Jesus in Luke chapter 4 when we were reading through that portion of the gospel. In Luke 4, beginning in verse 42, we see this. Now it was when it was day that he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Jesus was intentional in the decisions he made about where he went, how much time he spent somewhere, where he went to preach the gospel, the locations he stayed at a little longer, because he knew his purpose from the Father, the reason why he had come. And in Luke 4, he's having a thriving ministry. People are crowding the homes. He's healing everyone that comes to him, and he's sharing with them, and they're hungry to learn and grow, and it should cry out the question of how did he know? How did he walk away from that? Why did he walk away from that? Because he knew his purpose, because he understood what he was on mission to do. And it wasn't to stay in that one spot the rest of his life, it was to continue to move on. So he was able to say no to a good thing because there was a better thing he was called to. It was an intentional decision to continue to be on the move. Because here's the reality purpose helps us prioritize. We live in a time like no other where there are endless opportunities for you that are crying for your attention and your time and your energy each and every day. And often what plagues us is not that there's nothing to do, but an analysis paralysis because there's so much to do, I don't know what to do. There were simpler times when if your dad was a carpenter, I'll tell you what you were going to do. You were going to be a carpenter. You were just going to take on the job, the trade of your father. You didn't have 20,000 schools to choose from with 100,000 different jobs out there and people every day trying to convince you this is the best path. Maybe this is the one. You should go here and do this. And far too often, it leaves us just feeling Paralyzed, like I don't know what to do and where to go. And you're not going to until you have a sense of your purpose. And as we've talked about, there is a, a general purpose as a believer. Things that clearly are lined out for you in Scripture that as a follower of Jesus, you should be doing this and not doing this. But then practically how that's lived out each and every day is going to come down to you being confident of what is God calling me to. How has he gifted me and set me up and put me in this place for such a time as this? What is that thing? And how can I pursue that confidently and unashamedly be able to say no to these other things on the side because that's awesome and I celebrate that, but that's not what God's calling me to. Jesus had a good thing right before him, 
a ministry opportunity with the door wide open, and he could just as easily say, no, we're going to move on, guys, because I know my purpose. And so I can prioritize things and say, that's a great thing, but that's not the most important thing right now. And you say, but that was Jesus. Well, 1 John 2.6 says, he who abides in him ought also himself to walk just as he walked. And we want to be a church that knows what Jesus is calling us to so that we can know where to go and we can know where to say no. That's great and I celebrate that. I love what you're doing. That's not what God's called me to do. Now understanding what God is specifically calling us to as a unique church here in Auburn, but also as individuals within the church is going to come the exact same way it came for Jesus. What did we read there? That he departed and went into a deserted place. He got alone regularly with the Father. You want to know what God is calling you to? Spend time alone with God. Learn to discern his voice because his sheep know his voice. And they know when he calls. And we want to be people in the noise and the chaos of so many opinions and so many voices that we can discern the most important voice and say, no, I'm going to follow what Jesus has called me to do. And the way you're going to discern his voice is by spending time alone with him in silence, spending time in his words so you become familiar with his words and his character, and spending time in the body of Christ because in the multitude of counselors there is wisdom. But we want to be people that are intentional in how we live our days and how we spend our time and how we invest our resources and our talents. Because if we aren't intentional, we're going to fall prey to the opinions of man or the traditions of man. That I'm just going to do this because a lot of people told me to or because that's the way it's always been done. And you begin to quench the spirit or we fall prey to our own desires and we're just moved by whatever we feel like doing. Let me tell you this morning, your heart is deceitfully wicked. Don't just trust in your feelings. Don't wait for the holy goosebumps. Heed scripture that tells you to lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. Or maybe we'll fall prey to making decisions based on money. What's most profitable? Where am I going to make the wisest investment of my money? doesn't mean you don't be a good steward of your money, but there are very real times that God will call you to do something that is an investment in his kingdom and is going to cost you. And you're not going to see the return this side of heaven, but that is an eternal investment that is worth making. Or what about falling prey to our own pride? And it stops being about making much of the name of Jesus and living for his kingdom and not our own. And it becomes about how am I making a name for myself? How will I be remembered? When we understand his purpose, 
his calling on our lives that helps us to recognize these things and to call them out. But when we don't understand our purpose and what God is calling us to, we can fall for all sorts of things that will suck your time dry, that will waste all of your energy and burn you out, and we'll have nothing to show for it when it comes to an eternal reward. And if we're going to be intentional people who understand our purpose, we also need to be people of discipline. Because just as important as it is for you to know what you should be doing is for you to intentionally be knowing what you shouldn't be doing and staying away from it. Proverbs 4, 24 through 27 says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the left or to the right. Remove your foot from evil. Do you hear how intentional those instructions are? It doesn't say just go out for a walk and see where you end up. And it tells you where you are to put your words and how you are to adjust your eyes and how you are to ponder the path of your feet. Psalm 1 talks about a man that's blessed who doesn't walk in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. No, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Intentional decisions about where we're spending our time, where we're going, what we're looking at, what we're thinking about. Because being intentional in our walk as believers means we're being serious about dealing with our sin. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That's an intentional decision to remove that thing which is causing you to sin and to take it seriously. Let me ask you, how are you being intentional with your life when it comes to the sins and struggles, the areas that you know you are weak in and you continue to fall in, how have you intentionally changed things so that you don't continue to repeat the same pattern? If it's with your phone, how are you getting accountability on that phone? How are you removing the things that are constantly pathways towards sin? If it's in an ungodly relationship, how are you being intentional about changing that? About correcting the course you're on, not putting your, your foot to the left or to the right, but walking on that straight and narrow path which leads to life because there are few who find it. You don't wander through life and accidentally end up on the straight and narrow path. What about in your alcohol consumption? Has that been a problem that's plagued your life? And if so, how are you intentionally and deliberately dealing with it? Or are you just allowing it to be a continual problem that continues to come up that you don't take seriously, that you put off? your relationship to money. Maybe it's your obsession with your image. Maybe it's your pride at work or your laziness at home. 
Where are the areas of weakness where you see continual sin that you need to be intentional this morning in your walk and say, what do I need to cut off? How do I need to adjust the way I'm walking? How do I need to correct the things I'm looking at? How do I need to better establish what I'm going to say before I say it? so that I could be a person who's quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to wrath, as James says. Now, the walk Jesus has called you to walk is one that you're going to need to do intentionally. And for far too many of us, I think that we casually go through our life just hoping we kind of figure it out. It's a lot more reacting in moments instead of preparing beforehand and disciplining ourselves towards godliness. I've heard it before. I've been guilty of saying it before. That far too often when we're asked, how are you fulfilling the Great Commission today in your lives? How are you making disciples of Jesus? What do we say? Well, I'm just waiting for the opportunity. I'm just waiting for someone to ask. I'm just waiting for, waiting for what? The instruction was to go and make Those are intentional decisions that are on you. No, the the stopping and the waiting was at Pentecost. And then when they received the Holy Spirit, it was, okay, now go and make. If you're a believer today, then you've received the Holy Spirit. You've been equipped for the work of ministry. It's not a stopping and waiting when it comes to the Great Commission. It's a going and making. So how are you intentionally answering that call and saying, Lord, I'm called to go and make. I'm going to go do that today. If you looked at last, this whole last week and you took an account of all the moments that you were actively going and making disciples, loving God and loving others, the greatest commandment, how much of your time is spent Fulfilling that call. How much of your energy, your resources, your talents are going towards that? Or is that just getting the leftovers when you have it? The occasional once in a while when the opportunity presents itself right before me. Now the Lord is gracious and those come sometimes. I've had people walk up to me and begin to ask me questions and then ask me questions about the Lord, and I'm thinking, well, this is great. I didn't even ask for this. But how am I intentional with every other moment and interaction I have? Say, Lord, how is this a moment that I could be on mission? How can I redeem this moment for you? Because we want to be people that are faithful and intentional but not just with what we do from what we stay away from and avoid and don't do. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, this comes right after he's called us to be a living sacrifice. Do you realize that each and every day you are making decisions that are either placing you in the path of being conformed or transformed. Whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, 
the places you go, the conversations you have, the way you're spending your money and your energy, those are either things that are transforming you more into the image of Christ or they're things that are helping more, better conform you into the way of the world. We're never static in our walk with God. We are constantly moving. So how are you intentionally making sure that that path that you're moving on is towards where you actually want to be 10 years from now? Is towards the actual goal you have of being made into the image of Christ? Because I've talked to people who stand one day and look at their life and realize they are not where they want to be. They're not who they want to be. They don't have the marriage they wanted to have. They're not the parent they wanted to be. But that happened day in and day out as they were not intentionally making decisions to end up where they wanted to be. How are you making decisions today so that if you continued on that path for 10 years, then you'd be thrilled at where you ended up? The parent you were, the follower of Christ you were, the, the husband or wife you were the marriage you have. We don't end up there by accident. And I know people love to talk about, I just fell into this sin. I just fell into it. I just, it was, I didn't know it was coming. I just fell right in. There were a lot of decisions that brought you to that point where you fell into that sin. A lot of forks in the road where you made a wrong decision that put you in a wrong place at a wrong time. How are we intentionally making decisions today that put us on the right path? to make the right decision at the right time for the glory of God. Because each and every day is going to take sacrifice to bring about transformation. Do you know how I know that? Because the ultimate sacrifice was made to bring an internal transformation for us in Jesus going to the cross. And he intentionally made decisions each and every day as he made his journey towards the cross and ultimately giving his life for us. And he calls us to take up our cross and each and every day to make decisions as we die to ourselves and we follow in his footsteps and we're renewed day by day. And the final thing I'll mention is that if we are people that live intentionally, we're gonna be people that have right priorities. I told you, when you understand your purpose, you make right priorities. Well, we as a church understand what the Lord has called us to and that helps us prioritize some things. For example, that we're never going to place a program over a person. That we're going to place a higher value on the eternal rather than the temporal. And that our ultimate goal is always going to be the priority of glorifying God and not the name of any individual in this church or the name of our church. The name above all names is the name we want to glorify and magnify. And that's the instruction we've been given in Colossians chapter 3. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then jumping to his final conclusion in this chapter, he says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As a church, 
we are going to prioritize the things we believe God has specifically called us to do here and now with what he has equipped us with. And that means there are going to be great things that go on by other churches, other organizations in this community and around the world that we won't do. And that's not because we're against them. It's not because those are bad things, but it's because we're called to something else or have a different priority at this time. If we did everything that came across the, the office, across our desks, if we pursued every opportunity to serve, as I mentioned, there are thousands of them, we would never have time to do anything else. When you begin to say yes to everything, you can no longer say yes to the right things. We're limited in our resources, in our time. And even the people who serve here at church. And we refuse to burn people out just so we can do more. A guardrail for us as a church over the last few years as we've begun to grow and we've begun to add new ministries and new opportunities and new outreaches, we've always allowed what guides us to be the Lord providing people to be able to step into those things. Because we could start it tomorrow and work even harder the people that are already doing a lot. Or we could wait on the Lord to provide the right people to step into that ministry, that opportunity, and then allow them to be equipped for the work of ministry to do it. And the Lord has been so faithful to do that time and time again. When we have on our heart a burning desire for a men's ministry or a women's ministry, and we say, we're going to wait for the Lord to bring the right people. And he did. And when we want to have a young adults ministry, when we want to have a, an outreach to the homeless and to the the care homes in our facility, and, and the Lord provides the opportunity and the people, and so we do it. But I could give you a list today of half a dozen other things we'd love to be doing as a church, places we'd love to be going, ministries we'd love to have available here, and yet the Lord has not provided the people yet to do those things, and so we're going to wait on His timing and His provision. As a church, as we move forward, these are always going to be guardrails that we allow to help keep us in our lane in pursuing the Lord and magnifying His name, loving God and loving people. We're going to continue to push that we're a family, which means our expectation is that you are regularly a part of this family and you are known more than your name in a greeting on Sunday. I'm going to push that you should be a part of a men's and women's ministry. You should be in a home group because I'm feeling the, the, the results of that. I get to bear the fruit of that and enjoy the sweetness of belonging in a home group with people that know more than just my name and what I do on Sundays that I share. But people who know the struggles that go on throughout the week, they know my kids by name. They know the project I'm struggling with at home and when they need to step in and say, we need to help you with that. I'm grateful for that community. We're going to continue to push forward that we need to be everyday disciples. So don't be, don't be surprised if, if we see you on Tuesday and you're living like a very different person and we say, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about that. 
How can I help you in that? And we're going to be people that are intentional, so don't be upset if we say that is amazing. We celebrate what God is calling you to do. We don't have the funds. We don't have the people. We don't have the ability to do that right now. But we will celebrate it. We will pray that God provides what you need. We will gladly support you going and doing that thing. But it may not be something we're going to do here. And we're going to push that you guys seek the Lord and know what he's calling you to do. How has he gifted you? And how can you use that for his glory today in the space he has you in? And if you're seeking him and you don't know what that is, don't wait 10 years to find out. Step into an open door today. Look for an opportunity today and say, Lord, I'm going to start there. That may not be my greatest desire. That may not be where I'm at forever. But God, I'm going to start pursuing you and doing something. And then if you make clear that's not it, then I'll move somewhere else. Guess what? That happens in Scripture, guys. The disciples are heading in a direction, and we just read the Spirit hindered them from going there. Well, how did he hinder them? Well, what did that look like? We don't know. The Spirit will make clear to you. If he doesn't want you to go somewhere, he will shut that door, and you will not be able to open it. So then what do I do? Well, you pursue another direction. And if the Spirit hinders you, you pursue another direction. And guess what? The Spirit was also faithful to show them where to go. Proverbs 16.9 tells us that a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Start taking steps of faith and let the Lord direct you in them. Because we want to be a church that is faithful each and every day to pursue the Lord and be used for the great commission and the great commandment. As I invite the worship team to come up, as we begin to wrap up our service this morning, I want to remind you that we're a family here. And as family, it's okay not to be okay. We have people available each and every week at the front of this room and upstairs in the back your brothers and sisters in Christ that would love to pray for you if there's anything going on you'd like prayer for. Don't worry about what the people around you think of you coming forward for prayer. Don't worry about having the right words or how to put it all in, in a clear form for them to pray for. But be faithful to what the Lord's calling you to do and if he's putting on your heart you need prayer for something, just be faithful and obedient to get that prayer. But also, maybe you're new here and you've never been a part of a family of God and never really gone to church before and you're beginning to hear some of these things and they're creating deeper questions for you and concern about where you stand with God and the way you've been living your life and maybe it hasn't been as intentional as it should be. And maybe you wouldn't call yourself an everyday disciple because you wouldn't even call yourself a disciple of Jesus at all. We want to be here available to talk with you through any questions you have, to explain to you what that means, and to let you know that this morning we could change that. Because in a moment, you could make the decision right now to say, I, I'm not, but I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And all you have to do in Scripture is confess with your mouth that you're a sinner. 
that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and that he was raised three days later, and what he offers us is not only forgiveness for our sins, but eternal life in him. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we talk about being an everyday disciple and being intentional in our walk, that's not so that we can earn that forgiveness, that acceptance, that eternal life. It's because we've received it. And this is our reasonable service. It's our spiritual worship. It's how we respond to such a great gift is by living that way and following Jesus. But you can be saved today by grace through faith. You don't have to do anything but confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you can be saved. And I'd like to ask this morning, if there's anybody here who needs to make that decision, that you would stand or raise your hand, because we want to be able to pray for you right now. We want to be able to welcome you into the family. We want to be able to come alongside you as brothers and sisters, so you don't have to do this alone, because you're not called to do it alone. So is there anybody this morning that needs to make that decision? Praise God. Is there anybody else that needs to respond in this moment? All right, brother, can you give me your name? Garrett? I've met Garrett before. Thrilled he's making that decision today. Would you join with me as we pray for Garrett and this decision he's made to give his life to Jesus? And God, we thank you for Garrett. God, for the decision he's making to confess that you are Lord, that he is a sinner and he needs you to save him. God, we are thankful that where sin has abounded, grace abounds so much more. And Lord, that in a moment, Garrett has gone from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. For being on a path that led towards destruction to being now on a path that leads to eternal life. And he may have walked in here a sinner, but he is leaving here a saint. And all of that is because of the work that you did on the cross, Jesus. We celebrate that reality. And we know because of the authority of your word that even in this moment, you will renew his mind. You will transform his life. You will take out his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh and put your spirit within him that he might be sealed and have a guarantee of his inheritance in you. And now, Lord, we pray that you would surround him with his brothers in Christ, that they would come alongside him as family, that they would help teach him and lead by example in what it looks like to be an everyday disciple of Jesus who intentionally makes decisions to live for his purposes and not our own, his glory and not our own, his kingdom and not our own. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who saves. We thank you, Lord, for getting to be a part of this incredible miracle, which is the salvation of a soul. And God, I pray that we as a church would be intentional 
to get to know our brother in Christ, to support him as he walks this race of faith. God, to your glory, your honor, and your praise. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, as we move to a time of worship through song, there's gonna be people available for prayer, as I mentioned. And I would challenge you to be just as intentional in your decision this morning as he was with making this decision to give his life to Jesus. This is an opportunity you have this morning to leave this place better than you came in. And so there are things you need to get off your chest. If there are struggles you need someone to come alongside you with, if there are worries and fears you want to cast before the Lord, there are people that would love to pray with you. You have an opportunity this morning to do so. Let's live out our faith in this moment and glorify the Lord together. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?